Welcome to the WRSU Crew, the revolutionary show to hear all things sports, from your very own Rutgers Athletics to the hot topics in all professional and collegiate sports from around the globe, coming to you from your own Rutgers students. Sit back, relax, and enjoy your ride with the crew. Welcome to the Monday Crew here on 88.7 WRSU-FM. My name is Jack Pasea, Gideon Fox, Dylan Allen, Mocha Lupchek, all here today. I know all of us in this room can all say the same thing this very fine evening. Jack, I knew when you said you wanted to bring it in, <sighs> some I, I shenanigans are going to go down. Yeah. I should have known. 54 I, I... to 19, baby. I guess that's where we're starting then. I don't know. I thought we were doing Rutgers basketball. <laughs> no, no, no. I need to, I need to I was get out of the that. way. We'll, we'll, talk, we'll, talk about, uh, we'll talk about the good old Dallas Cowboys. How about them Cowboys in uh, hour two? But I had to get that out of the way because um, that was a huge win yesterday. Some teams tied. Some teams win by 35 points. So, you know, it's, uh, it's the way of the world. But, you know, there was another big win two days ago. And, hang on, uh, hang on, hang on. Give me a second here. Hey, guys, you got to take your gum out here. This is this is bugging me here. You Give me one that out. Here, hold this on. This is the sports department, not the ASMR right. department. Yeah, hold please. On. I got, I got, I got a good. Uh, For me and all the listeners, Jack. I got a good segue to get into our Rutgers enough. basketball conversation here. Three, two, one. That's it. 63-48. Number ten, Indiana, absolutely torn to shreds at Jersey Mike's Arena. But are you really surprised? Who's your daddy? I, I got that was two. awesome. I love listening to Dennis Geisler call games because it is Dennis calling a game is so unlike Dennis, just like as a person. <laughs> he just gets excited. <laughs> like I was like I turned it on in the middle of the second half, and uh, oh no, the first thing I heard was when he the call of Simpson three, and I'm just like, who is this guy and what has he done with Dennis? Because <laughs> like it's just a completely different Dennis. <laughs> Dude, because that's what I, so at pregame, like, I, I told him, I was, br- I'm bringing the juice. Like, I told him I was, I was going to be amped up, and he, and he picked it up in the second half as well, and I told him pregame, I was like, listen, you're the GM, you know, you, you got the seniority on me, I was like, I'll let you do second half, but you got to promise me, if we win this game, you have to say who's your daddy at the very end. Because I said, because I said, if I got second half, I'm definitely saying it, but it needs to be said. He's like, I got you, 100%. Oh, I, and there you go, as there's your soon result. As, as soon as I heard him say that, I texted in the chat, I said, I don't know who's on the board right now. But I need a clip of that, and yeah. Christian goes, we're on it. Well, yeah, go. that, that's going to be a hot key. And if I didn't get so busy today, it would have already been on the board. Uh, but by this time tomorrow, that'll be a hot key. There you go. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> in, the next, in the next two hours, it'll be a hot key. But, yeah, that's the newest one. Because that's all. I mean, Rutgers owns Indiana. As the Rutgers student radio station, we should have a hot key readily available every time we're on the air that <laughs> shows daddy. who owns the state of Indiana. Yeah. It's the yeah. same thing every time. <laughs> um, Jack, I think – I know you love your uh, your – your wallpaper on the PC of Evan Simon and uh, Greg Schiano. However, I would like to make a case okay. for switching it to Ron Harper Jr. after he hit the three in uh, in Bloomington last year. I, I got to say real quick, I'm sorry for the gum. Didn't know it was that loud. Um, <laughs> I, I also apologize. I didn't mean to put you on blast there. That's okay. <laughs> no, no. But, but some, did, some, but things, for some the things world need to, to hear. I didn't know. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. All of Central um, Jersey knows Jack was saying it was just <laughs> chewing gum. <down. laughs> um... Hey, I'll, I'll change it over to Ron Harper Jr. Like, I have no problem. Jack's I'm fully on board with that. <laughs> I'm, I'm fully on board. Here's my one argument against or the Ron Harper just, Jr. picture. Or we could do Steve Peichel pounding nails, John Ross. <laughs> yes. See, that's an all-time classic. The only issue with Ron Harper Jr.'s putting him on that as the background is there's been two other significant wins against Indiana since then. Like, that game is in such recent memory. That was, what, February? But, like, right. Rutgers has owned Indiana in two different—in in another sport. 
and again in basketball since then. It's okay. actually they've it's owned actually them. Okay. You know it's, just, it's just fine. It's ridiculous. It's unbelievable fine. because it is. It is. We go. Let, let's just do like the year 2022. We start off with Ron Harper Jr.'s game winner in right. uh, in Bloomington, yep. and then this spring, what's the biggest one of the biggest moments from the baseball season? Jordan Sweeney's walk off home run against Indiana. Indiana. Um, and we swept that series. We swept, swept that, that series. Swept too. that series. Yep. And we yep. beat him in the Big Ten tournament out in uh, Nebraska. Is that true? Um, um, you mean in women's basketball? No. Um, the baseball the tournament? The baseball tournament. Uh, I'm not sure, I mean, actually. if Thought we played them, we beat them. Anyway, yeah, exactly. Beat everybody anyway, anyway let's, <laughs> That's move, the let's move to the fall. Football. One win in the Big Ten. Who's that one win against? Indiana, baby. Indiana. Big Ten championship in uh, men's soccer. First Big Ten championship for a men's program at Rutgers. Who was that against? Indiana. And then here, this past Saturday, home opener for the Big Ten it for Rutgers. Number 10, Indiana walks in. 10th best team in the country, preseason favorites to win the Big Ten. And Rutgers shut the door yet again. Just prove they're the tougher yeah. team. And, uh, you know, it's it's unbelievable how, how dominant Rutgers yeah. has been in Indiana, not just in basketball, but in multiple other sports. I, uh, and and I real quick, Mo, real quick, yeah, yeah, real quick. And, and dating back to last year, Rutgers beat Indiana in football by 31 points as well. Like, in Indiana, in Bloomington, they wow. go on the road and win thirty-four to three. And it, that's just that's another go. example of total domination yeah. um, from I would say one of Rutgers' weaker sports in football. Right? I mean, it's just it's crazy. I think now basketball too. Yeah, I think we've now won six I've, in a row. Absolutely. Yeah, six, six in, a row. in a row. Right? Versus the them. Great tweet from Aaron Brightman this week was: There are three-year-old children in the state of Indiana who have never seen the Hoosiers beat <laughs> Rutgers. <laughs> <laughs> and that's I mean, Indiana is the basketball state. The same way that football is religion in Texas and Alabama, that's basketball in Indiana. <laughs> that's a great picture choice. Jack Rossi has now changed the Michael. background of all the pictures too. Oh, yeah. nice, that's nice. awesome. From the from the first for the, four. For those who don't know, it was uh, it was Evan Simon when he was recruited by Greg Schiano until a minute ago. But there like I started to say about Rutgers basketball. Um, I saw a great stat on Saturday night that this was the first time since 1983 that a top 10 team has been, sorry, this is the least points scored by a top 10 team since 1983, and I was looking at the uh, the AP poll today, and the Hoosiers are now down at number 14. Yeah. So and Rutgers did not get any votes either in the AP poll. If anyone's wondering, I think if we beat if Miami, you, if, you beat if we beat Miami, Miami we, we get votes. Ranked. Yeah, if we, yeah beat we got Miami, votes not ranked. Ranks. We got like ten votes. We had to, we, were, really? we would yeah. have had to be undefeated to get ranked. Yeah, but we're th- the we're the net came out and we're thirty in the net. But see, here's what's interesting. That's to me. like what 150 spots higher than what we were last year. Yeah, this time, time, yeah. This, the, the difference between this time this la- like this Was time we last didn't year lose is, is to, staggering uh, to Ryder at the right. last second. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And and. And Andy Katz, we all know he loves Rutgers. He has Rutgers ranked 24 in his top 36 teams. Just want to throw that out there. Driving the Rutgers bus. There you go. And, and what's interesting is you mentioned if we had beat Miami, would we would have gotten votes, probably not been ranked. I think I saw Miami got 29 votes today um, in the AP poll. They're not ranked, but they did get 29 votes, which is a lot. Rutgers so. is a quality loss to that. Like It's a quality loss. They just beat a top 10 team. That's, yeah. a, that's a quad one loss, in my opinion, as of right now. So, so. the ranked Reaper strikes again. So let let's talk about the game itself, shall right. we? Let's go. So let's do it. It was it was a fun, it was a really fun game to watch. So start the game off. You you'd say it's pretty customary of a team that comes into a building like that over there, like over on Livingston, the rack of the Raptors, Mike's Arena, whatever you want to call it. It's pretty customary. Two teams battling it out. Um, Indiana was really shooting pretty bad from the field. The only thing that was keeping them in in it was Miller Cop, who ended up scoring like. 
21. 21. So very close to half of their points at the end of the yeah, day. 21 did something. <laughs> he was the only one that had it going for Indiana throughout the game. And one thing that I thought Rutgers it did really well on Saturday with, and one thing that I think that is incredibly impressive just as a team that I've noticed throughout watching them, especially, and you see this especially when it's live, their defensive rotations are so on point and their defensive schemes, their defensive just, you know, continuity is so good. And you notice that when you're watching them live. So you saw Trace Jackson Davis. He wasn't get, able to get anything going, right? Right, right? That wasn't because of Dean Reaper by himself. That wasn't because of Antoine Wolfolk by himself. That was because they had guys down on the or down doubling him at different right. points. And even if Trace Jackson Davis was able to beat that double, you had a guy waiting in the paint, whether it be Caleb McConnell, whether it be Watt Mag, whether whoever it may be. They had basically three guys on Trace Jackson Davis there and exploited Indiana's uh, inability to shoot the basketball. And it really worked out really well for them. And even even when they weren't you know, in those post situations, Trace, Trace Jackson Davis, just their ease of switching and you know picking up for each other, helping the helper, the classic basketball techniques of playing defense. It's so on point with Rutgers, and it's so apparent when you watch them live. I, I can't stress that enough. Watching them live, like in the building, and watching them work on defense is a thing of beauty if you're a basketball fan. And I really think that's chalked up to A, high IQ players, B, good defenders, and C, most importantly, coaching. So I, I was really impressed with Rutgers there. And, you know, that defensive effort trans, translated into the biggest win of the year for Rutgers. Uh, yeah, and going off of that, Jack, every one of my favorite parts about seeing Rutgers win these ranked games, which we've gotten used to them winning ranked games at home. Is, is seeing all the tweets from non-Rutgers fans about how good of a coach Steve Peichel is. There's some tweet last night from some other Big Ten fan. He had some Big Ten school in his bio. I can't remember which one. Um, but he said, Steve Peichel is the most underrated college basketball coach, and it's criminal at this point, the, how little recognition he gets. I mean, the fact that he is finding these under-recruited players, you could we can name two dozen under-recruited Rutgers players that, are, that were stars in college. Right. He develops them. Makes him some of the best players in the Big Ten. I'm talking Geo Baker, freshman star Derek Simpson. Right, under recruited players. Talk about Derek Simpson. Oh, there's there's yeah. so much to talk about. We Steve will Peichel get to d- Derek Simpson. Yeah, absolutely. And Steve Peichel just, just makes them these. He's awesome. He's he's so. Good. He's just simply he just awesome. Knows what to do. He's just simply awesome. And if you notice, too, Saturday night, pounding nails, baby. Exactly. He didn't. Ne- you never did you see Steve Peichel start stamping his feet, going mad, like screaming on the sideline. Even when Rutgers gave up the lead, he would just like look a little upset. And then just talk like you. You never saw him freak out. You never saw him, you know, smack a chair. You never saw him get visibly angry. He was just so composed in a game that like Rutgers sure had big leads at some point, but also they, they surrendered the lead at some points. Right. You have your starting center in foul trouble. Like there was points in the game where Steve Peichel had every right to be outwardly frustrated, and he just kept it inside. And that speaks a lot. That that keeps your players composed. Um, and I want to go off a point too. What Mo, what you were saying, Indiana. Averages just around, before Saturday night, averaged around 84 points per game. Rutgers held them to 48. Yeah, half of them. That's that's very impressive against a top-ranked team like that. And especially, like you said, with Cliff Amore, his minutes being limited because he was in foul trouble, only played 19, 19 minutes, ultimately did foul out with about five minutes left, if I recall correctly. So to be able to play that defense, and obviously huge help that you have the the reigning defensive player of the year in the Big Ten back on the floor for 37 of the 40 minutes in that game. but Yeah, McConnell's hold, been awesome. To hold a top 10 team to under 50. And, DA, when you said that in the last minute and a half of that game, you know, wouldn't it be great if we held them under 50? Mm-hmm. I was thinking to myself, they're at 46. 
they'll score four more points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I, I was t- I was I was just saying to, to Dennis, I was like, wouldn't it be great if we could just hold them under fifty points? Because I think now on the year it's now been five games. Rutgers has held their opponents to un- fifty or under in points, which is crazy. Um, to think about and um, for one of the teams to be top 10 team like Indiana and to Jack to your point about the defense you're absolutely right and I, I noticed during the broadcast a specific example of uh, of one that happened it was in late in the second half and Cliff was uh, on the bench right with foul trouble and they have Jackson Davis with the ball on the on the right baseline kind of driving in with Wolfolk and then Mag comes over to help him double teams forces a pass out and now you're on the perimeter now you're Indiana and it's like Rutgers is just a magnet to the ball. The next guy up, doesn't matter how far away he is from the player with the ball, he will sprint over and force a pass to his left. That's what happened. And it kept going all the way around. And they forced, an, uh, I think it was I think it was Xavier Johnson, a contested three in the corner. I love. And he completely airmailed it. He completely airmailed it. So the aggressiveness to just go to the ball, wherever, follow the ball wherever it goes. Next man up. Doesn't matter if it's not your assignment. They just step up right to the plate and take it on. Uh, and it, that, that's what really worked. I think that's why Indiana, Indiana struggled as much as they did because Rutgers essentially said, you know what, we'll let Miller Cop take the threes, but we are not letting Jackson Davis do anything he wants to do down low. Right. We will sacrifice a kickout pass as long as that guy is neutralized. And they, they did the same thing against Xavier Johnson. I, I wouldn't say they let Miller Cop shoot all those threes. But, but they, but they were more the accepting Xavier of Xavier Johnsons it. of the world, the Ray Thompsons of the world, they said, okay, you can take those. I think a lot of Miller, or Miller Cop's threes were second-chance shots, and Pykele talked about this after the game. Miller Cop got loose on a lot of second-chance threes. Like, you know, whoever missed the layup, missed a shot, whoever got a rebound, kicked it back out, Miller Cobb, Rucker scrambling, and he was able to get open that way. I wouldn't say they were they were letting Miller Cobb get open, but to your point about the defense, Caleb McConnell, as we know, is a Swiss Army knife on defense. Yeah. Mawat Mag is slowly turning into that, like, also. Like, he is... I can't say enough good things about Mawat Mag on the defensive end, and that's why he plays. Like, with Steve Peichel, if you defend, you are going to find your way out to the court. I saw a Geo Baker thing maybe, like, a week or two ago. He was talking to a, a group of young kids, and... Gio said, you know, if you're the best best defender on your team, you're going to find a role in the game. Right, like, right. And I say that to bring up Cam Spencer. And I wouldn't say Cam Spencer is a bad defender by any stretch of the imagination, but we didn't see Cam Spencer a whole lot in that second half. Right. And, you know, my thinking is of knowing in this program and knowing how Steve Peichel operates, um, if Cam Spencer – Cam Spencer's had some rough shooting nights throughout – uh, his play or the games against you know high major teams Temple Miami and now Indiana I don't think that really factors into him not having the playing time I really do think that it comes down to you know okay you're not giving me anything on the offensive end can you give me anything on defensive end that's no so I'm gonna put in someone that can give me something on defensive end he can't score does and that make sense went like, to Derek Simpson. if, Der- if- he was all with Geo Baker a lot. Geo Baker would have these great games, obviously. But Geo Baker would also have some games where, you know, remember the zero point game at Northwestern or maybe like, you right. know, some rough shooting nights here and there. You know, Geo Baker would have that, but Geo Baker would always play because Geo Baker could defend. And he was a high level defender in that de- in that defense that Steve would run. I don't think Cam Spencer's really there. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it's not because yeah. he's he was shooting bad, it's because you shoot it was it's because he was shooting bad and he didn't have anything to offer on defense. Like Caleb McConnell can go one for fourteen from the field, he's gonna get the same amount of minutes because he's the best defender on the team. Right. And I, I to your point, I think it was a mix of both. I mean I, I do think he was pulled because he was not shooting well as as well, because you look at Derek Simpson 
he shot five for thirteen, but in that second half, he was the electro the he was the guy that brought the jukes for the team. He's getting steals left and right. He's fast break layups, right? He's he hit a big three pointer as well. And if you're Steve Peichel, you're asking yourself, you, you you can't take a guy out like that that's on fire. And so, although the defensive point is a good is a good one, Jack, I agree. Just looked like Cam Spencer was off. I think it carried over from Miami offensively, and he's and Peichel saw what he had in Simpson on both ends and just said, you know what, let's give the kid a shot. And he, and he and he did an awesome job with that opportunity. Don't be surprised going forward if we see more and more of this because I think this is kind of the trial period before we hit the the Big Ten part of the schedule where it's Big Ten after Big Ten game, right? I think this could be the trial period where you see Peichel kind of do this again, maybe not against, maybe against, maybe even against Ohio State. We'll see because, again, Cam Spencer, when he has struggled, it's been on the road. This was the first home game where he struggled offensively. Um, and Ohio State, top 25 team, they're a very good team as well. And so, Derek Simpson did, sorry to cut you off, Derek Simpson did play well in the Miami game. Yeah, he's, I think, defensively he's played well in every game. I think the offense is where it's hit or miss, and he's a freshman, you know, I I don't expect him to be Geo Baker right away, or at least replace him, but you kind of see what he can do when he's on, and I think you saw it in that Indiana game with two steals um, and 14 points. I think he, in the Ohio was, State game, you're going to see what we saw against IU, because I, I really do think Cam Spencer on the road, I think he'll start, but don't be. I, would, I think he'll be on a short leash is what I guess I'm trying to say. Yeah. Derek Simpson, man, like what a way to start your Big Ten career, right? <laughs> right. Like, yeah. He was the he was the spark plug that won in that game. Like Derek's it was a what, one or two point game, either way. I don't know who was leading when Derek Simpson went on that run. And after that, like, you know, it was just the icing on the cake for Rutgers. Like Yeah. He, I mean he was incredible. Like I can't say any like enough good things. Like his speed and quickness with the ball, his you know, his ability to put the ball in the basket, of course, be fearless. That's one thing that I've noticed from day one in the <laughs> first scrimmage against Fairfield. Like, he's fearless out there for a freshman. 18 years old, probably he's 18 years old. But, like, you know, freshman out there against guys like Miller Cop, who's 24 years old. Like, you know, that's, <laughs> that's, 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 that's really cool to see. And also, Derek Simpson, you know, he made some nice passes, too, in that game. Like, he was able to hit... You know, guys like Andre Hyatt under the rim. I remember there's one particular play in the first half where Derek Simpson, um, I don't forgot exactly, I think he was on the uh, the left corner or whatever, and he found found the passing lane over to Andre Hyatt, who's wide open under the basket. It's just little plays like that, you know, that go, that happen throughout a game that shows, you know, you're playing with a high IQ player and a player that is really has a bright future. So I, was, I couldn't have been more impressed with Derek Simpson. I was at the game as a fan, actually, and... I know, I know, I know. My brother in particular was like, "You know, Derek Simpson is him, baby." Like, <laughs> you know, it, it's he was he was incredible. Like, he was the reason. He was a huge reason why they won that game. You know, he's a spark plug in the second half, like I said. And uh, you know, Da, to your point, you know, it's great. This is a, this is a great start for Derek Simpson, but this is going to be a huge test, not just for Derek Simpson, but for the whole team on Thursday. First Big Ten road environment against a team that's ranked in the top 25. I agree. And real quick, before we jump out to Ohio State and preview that game, I'll, I pulled up the play-by-play here on ESPN about the, the run that you were talking about, Jack, with Derek Simpson. So the score is 38-37 Rutgers after McConnell hits a big three-pointer. So Rutgers was down two. McConnell hits a three. Now we're up one. Derek Simpson hits a layup. Now it's 40-37. to And he goes on a run where he scores the next 10 points for the Knights. Just him. I think it was... Um, Two lay, a layup, and then a jump shot. Then he made a three-pointer. 
Um, then he made another layup, and then he worked his way to the foul line and went one for two. And so that second layup, ten zero run, nuts. just just him, just ten points for Rutgers on that run was just him. That that second layup, he like went under the basket, managed to get the ball off the glass. Like he's athletic too. Yeah, he really is. I think he's. I think he could be more athletic than Geo. I mean, there were some of the moves that he was making underneath the basket, like you were talking about. That I, I don't really. I mean, Geo could do it, but like you wouldn't see him, kind of. It would not look the same to me, at least. Right. Hold Geo's on. very I got, athletic. I got kid, the audio but. from the three pointer here. There you go. Up to Simpson. Simpson, left wing three. Got it. Derek Simpson, he's on fire. And this entire arena is rocking. 45-37. There you go. That's a that's a heck, that was a heck of a shot too. Like in transition, know, it, right? Look, Paul Mulcahy, yeah, spot first of all, up shot sick too. pass by Paul Mulcahy. Paul Mulcahy's like he's like a passer where like you might not recognize in the moment the pass that he makes, but then you look back at the highlights. I was looking back at the highlight the highlights of the game afterwards, and I saw this pass from Paul Mulcahy to Derek Simpson. He like had he like hooked it with like his right hand and zipped it down the floor to Derek Simpson. I was like, oh my goodness, what a pass. And you know, Derek Simpson, he caught that. He was in full transition speed, stopped his momentum, set his feet, rose up, and hit that shot. That's a hard shot to make. And yeah. he drilled it, so credit to him, man. And well, that's another thing we didn't talk, we haven't talked about yet. Paul Mulcahy made his return, right? And this was kind of a a surprise to me. I mean, when Dennis and I were hanging out in the arena watching warm-ups, we saw him actively warming up. And if you remember Gideon in Miami, he was not warming up whatsoever. He was kind of standing there cheering on the team as they were warming up, but he was stretching out pre-game. So, like, we kind of talked about before the game started, like, he's not listed as a starter but he it looked like he was warming up and he hadn't done it the game before so don't be surprised if he makes an appearance and what do you know he comes off the bench plays 24 minutes of excellent basketball six points and again we know Mulcahy he doesn't light up the stat sheet scoring wise he only took four shots made three of four but you can definitely tell his passing a presence he's a floor general also four assists right I mean he's just you could tell having him back was huge for Pykele in this team oh my god Paul Mulcahy is one of the greatest floor generals in college basketball right now. Right. Um, he has been for a couple of years I, now. I, I heard he's but also, also pretty tall as far as point guards go in the college I've heard basketball. rumors. I've heard rumors. Um, <laughs> but looking at Paul Mulcahy's stats, did he, was his three-pointer from the corner called back to a two? It was called a two. I remember it was, okay. I remember. Okay. I think I called it as a three. Dennis, whoever was calling it, we called it as a three. And then we, it looked exactly then we, like a three. And then we backtracked and said it was a two. Because I remember when I looked at this box score, I was like, wait, didn't he hit a three? But yeah, so it got called back, but it was a long two. So I mean, and what we'll call it a three. It's basically it's, the yeah, distance. For, so. for all intents and purposes, and Rutgers won this game by multiple possessions, so it's fine. Yeah, um, that's his shot. It's, it's just cool to see Pommel K. He will hit one three pointer a game. It's always from a corner. Right, always changes. So there you go. He hits a three. Um, would Almost have been one three. for one from right. three. Right, right, right. Um, would have been. Would have been. It was it was literally like right on the line. Yeah, I, I I was watching it and then I saw it go in and then I, I must have looked under my phone to say something. I was like, okay, like, that was a three from Paul. Like, haha, very funny. He hit his corner three for the night. <laughs> then I whatever, I just got lost in it. Um, but he is just so missed. There's a reason that Steve Peichel keeps him on the floor when he only scores six points. He had six points, but he played 24 minutes, had two rebounds. It's the the four assists are just the tip of the iceberg. What Paul Mulcahy does is he just composes the offense. We would have beaten Miami if Paul Mulcahy was in. I'm 100% with you. 100%. That lead would have stayed the way it was because Paul Mulcahy would have slowed things down a little bit. 
he would have made great passes. Rutgers would have gotten their points where they needed, but Rutgers wouldn't need to launch threes from anywhere because the lead would have gone down to seven, and then Pamela would have brought it back up to 12, would have gone down to nine, then it goes back up. And and how many times, Gideon, did we see McConnell bring the ball up in that game, and he would just try and force a, a pass, and it would be a turnover every time? I think he exactly. had five turnovers in that game. So, I mean, if you have Mulcahy as the main guy bringing up, bringing up the ball, you're not going to get those ugly passes, those errant passes. You're right. He's going to slow it down, bring it across, get the, get the sets that they want, right, and then get the shot that they want. You saw this against Indiana. They were... I mean, they weren't scoring the basketball at a high level. I mean, it was 63 points scored, and Rutgers uh, made 13 free throws. As a team, they shot 37% overall and 28.5% from three. So by no means was this a case where Rutgers just caught fire and just started hitting a million threes, and that's why we won. No. Peichel wants to play this way all year round every game if he can. Rely on the defense and score and score your buckets when you can. Play your style of basketball and offense, right? Just get your plays going. And for a stretch of this game, I was maybe it was when Indiana kind of caught up. You saw Rutgers when they would get the ball offensive, they would go down and hurry a shot almost. Like they would shoot pretty quick into the possession. They'd give Indiana the ball back real quick. That's not Rutgers basketball. They need to get the ball, bring it across, slow it down, and then shoot the ball right around that 10 second mark on the shot clock when they're getting the guys open. That's how they want to play. And there were points in this game where they didn't play like that, allowed Indiana to come back, but then you saw towards the end when Rutgers started to slow things down and just rely on defense. I think that's how, going forward, that's just how this team is going to win. Rely on defense late in games, and the offense will come. And against Miami, unfortunately, it worked for up until about like 10 minutes left in that game, and then you saw where the no Paul Mulcahy really hurt this team and having an experienced ball handler and a guy who doesn't make crazy passes or doesn't go for the home run pass every time. Um, I think that's where Rutgers was missing. Uh, that in that game, so tough loss for that Miami game, but a big win against Indiana. Now let's shift to the Ohio State game, a top 25 matchup this upcoming Thursday out in Columbus, Ohio. Um, Ohio State, I believe, is also um, six and two on the year, so both teams with the same record. Uh, record. Ohio State is four and zero at home this year, and they've they've put up some big scores. I was just looking at this, and they've put up. 90, 80, 90 points in one, two, three, one, two, three. They average 80 four. and a half points per game. And they put up 80, 80 points or more in five in five of their games. So they, they average a little over 80 points a game. But that does not scare me because Indiana, we just mentioned before, averaged 85 points per game. And do I expect the defense to not be as aggressive, as good because we're on the road? Yes. I mean, it's every game you can tell there's a difference, right? It's not just me. So... I expect Indiana, or excuse me, I expect Ohio State to score some points. I don't, yeah. I don't think it'll be what we just saw against IU. I think it'll be somewhere in the mid to high 60s, maybe low 70s, given up in points. So Rutgers really needs to bring their their A game well, offensively. Absolutely. I hope, I hope, I hope Rutgers can keep it in this low 70s to 60s because I feel like with this team that we have constructed this year, you know, we're not really, we're not really, it's not really conducive to playing in the 80s, not at all. Like we need to, we need to win games like we did against Indiana, sixty-three to forty-eight, sixty-five, sixty-one. Like, you know, this is how this team's gonna win games. Because while, you know, the offense is the offense is you know capable, we don't have guys like Gio and Ron there that you know can give you twenty points like on any given night. Right. Like this is this is this is a different team that will have to play a slightly different style. It's going to have to be hang their hat on their defense. You know, transition opportunities off turnovers, like we saw a lot with the non-conference teams, 
and you know Paul Mulcahy just running the show. And uh, you know, I I think I think I think for Rutgers to win this game on Thursday. Now, granted, I don't have a whole lot of intel on Ohio State. Um, I know they kept Zed Key from last year. Justice Suing, I believe, is still there. He is I there. I believe they have three, like a couple five-star guys, five-star freshmen that just came in. But you know, five-star freshmen don't really matter. When, don't don't really mm. matter. Don't they matter? They don't matter right now. They don't matter right it's now. It's too early like in the season. They're inexperienced for, for Big Ten basketball. Rutgers has had and Ohio Rutgers, State Rutgers has not played a, a Big Ten job. game yet. Rutgers done a pretty good job with neutralizing, you know. Yeah. high-end recruits if you're only if it's like zion williamson like you know, got problems. So, <laughs> right right well you know, i think i think i don't know who these ohio state guys are i'll do more research as the week goes on because yeah. i'm interested for myself but well dylan i have some i have been, some uh, information i prepped right, for this game i have a, i have all my information well, you're calling here. this game yeah. with christian vasquez on, out in the great uh, on thursday out right. in the great uh on the great city of columbus ohio yeah there you go yeah. uh so, so uh, what do we got so zed key is still there yep. uh he's a junior six foot eight He's averaging 13 a game, 18, uh, eight rebounds. He's shooting 70% from the floor. So is this he kind main of guy? Uh, he he is one of their main guys now. I think I don't think he leads the team in in points per game. Interesting though. Um, I believe it's it's Bryce Sensabaugh. He's a guard. He is a freshman, so he may be one of the ones you're referring to. Okay. Um, six foot six from Orlando, Florida. He was the Florida Player of the Year. Like the Gatorade Player of the Year that they give out to, I guess each state that uh, he won that in his senior year of high school. Who was that? Uh, Bryce Sensabaugh. Bryce he, he's averaging Sensabaugh. 14 points per game, 49 percent, uh, six six. Six. He's six, a forward. He's listed six, as a six, forward. Shorter than Paul Mulcahy. Caleb McConnell time. Yeah. yeah so that's, 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 that's the matchup. McConnell needs to lock him up, and he is a freshman, and he hasn't played in a Big Ten game like you said, Mo. This is their first Big Ten game. It is their first right? Big Ten it game. Is, but they, yeah, it's but they did, first Big but they did play against Duke in the Big that Ten is, ACC challenge that's, that's, on the road. That's so fair. I think. I, I think. But the rest Duke of their games, the Big Ten. they played Robert Morris, <laughs> Charleston Southern, Eastern Illinois, San Diego State, Cincinnati, Texas Tech. Like. Those are well, Texas, 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 Texas is good. Okay, fine. SDSU is bad. Have no, you ever no, heard? No, however, have you schedule. ever even heard of Robert Morris University? No, but if you ask an, uh, an Ohio State student, would they have ever heard of CCSU? No. no, exactly. So it's even. My point being, this game is in Ohio State. It's a freshman, and you'll most likely have McConnell, who's in his fifth year here, on him, reigning Defensive Player of the Year. So I'd like the matchup, regardless. Um, but that is I, I that is that guy. We got DA that favors us. Uh, let's yeah, what see. else you got? Uh, Sean McNeil, he's a graduate from uh, West Virginia. He transferred. He's averaging 10 a game, 45%. Shoots 36% from three. Shot it 40 times. So he's pretty pretty good percentage for 40 attempts from downtown. Um, so, yeah, they have a couple of – so that's the West Virginia transfer. They have a guy named Isaiah Isaac Likely who's Oklahoma State transfer. I've heard his name before. Hasn't really played all that much. Um Last year at Oklahoma State, he averaged 9.6 rebounds and 4 assists. But this year with Ohio State, he's only averaging 5 points per game and 6 rebounds. So he's not really playing all that much compared to where he was at Oklahoma State. Um, and the other big name is Justice Suing, um, the 6'6 forward from Hawaii. Yep. His story is he was hurt, I believe, all of last year. He played in the first two games and missed the rest of the year with an abdominal injury. So Rutgers never got to face him. Um, but he's averaging 13 points per game, 5 rebounds, um, shooting... He struggled from three. He's four for 25 right now, but he he makes his free throws 81%, and he shoots 42% from the floor. Um, but he, he, and he had a game against number 21 Texas Tech out in the Maui Gym at Invitational. Um, 33 points, eight rebounds, five assists. So no, he can, suing? Suing. So he can ball. Okay. He can ball. He's a guy that you can, if you if he, is he catches a, is fire. He a point guard? 
he is listed as a, a six six forward senior. That might be Caleb then. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. So then, who do you put on the freshman? Maybe you put Mulcahy Mag, on him Mag, or Mag, Mag maybe. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah, those I'd are say some Mag or Hyatt maybe. So those are some of the tougher that might, matchups. That might be a uh, the team effort. Honestly, you stick Caleb on the guy you think is going to harm you the most, and then the rest is kind of a mix and match. Now let me ask you this: Does it worry you at all on the two road games? I know one was technically neutral site, but we'll yeah. say we'll just say games not played in Jersey Mike's Arena, right? Just right. for conversation's sake. Does it worry you, Cliff, on defense when he goes up against these bigger guys? Not even so much in height, but in in terms of weight, just seems to be outmatched defensively against Temple. That that center, I don't even know his name, but he it seemed like he had his way. And then you saw against uh, Miami, Norchad O'Meara had his way down low, Gideon, like in that first half, yeah, was, was absolutely dominating. Yeah. And now in this game, Zed Key, he's only 6'8", but he has weight on him. You know, you know my answer to that? Yes. He will ha- Cliff yes. will have issues. I, I think Cliff is an interesting case because he has all the makings of a great defensive player. He's got the athleticism, for sure. He's got, you know... The speed, he's, I mean, I think he's got the strength, to be honest with you, but he's just not a good, he's just not, you know, a premier defender in the Big Ten. Like, you know, it's going, it's going to be a challenge. Like, I remember last year, Hunter Dickinson, like, had his way. Right. Um, when we played him, when we played him here, only a, uh, only a, you know, Superman performance from both Gio and Ron was able to get that done in that game. But, you know. And you remember that Purdue game last year, Travion Williams was, like, going off. That was mainly on Ralph. <laughs> oh, that's right. I kind of forgot Ralph, about Ralph. Ralph, Ralph, was, Ralph, a great guy. Had a great conversation with him at Media Day last year. You know, great ambassador for the program with uh, Ralph's corner and all that. He got cooked that game. No, uh, he. It, it was not. A, it was not a fr- not a friendly sight. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Cliff has all the makings of a great defensive player, but he just hasn't been able to put it together. I feel like these well-refined bigs, guys like Trace Jackson Davis, Hunter Dickinson, maybe even Zed Key coming on here in Ohio State. Um, have really been able to exploit, I guess, Cliff's, whatever Clarita Cliff's doing wrong. I'd, I'd honestly have to go to the, the film to see why Cliff is not as good of a defender as he should be. But this has happened. The there's, problem is... Like, there's games where he just looks asleep. And sometimes he'll yeah. wake up mid-game. I mean, Miami, for example, horrible in the first half, got shut down think, by a player four inches shorter than him, came alive for the first ten minutes of the second half, and then stopped. But, so, I th- like, I think this he, happens. This happened last Giddy, year, too. You also mentioned it. You mentioned this when you guys were down in Miami. I don't remember if it was Giddy or Dylan that said this, but Cliff, the problem is Cliff's been getting into foul trouble, and he takes a step back defensively when he's in foul trouble because he doesn't want to foul out. And you, I, one of you mentioned it in the Miami game, but it's... I remember. He's it, been getting in a lot of I, yeah, foul trouble. It was, it was, it, it was me. It was at a up, point. I think he had four fouls in, against Miami. I don't remember offhand. I think he had right. four against Miami, fouled out against... Instant, Ohio State. Oh, I'm sorry, Indiana. But the, the possession you're referring to in that Miami game, you, you saw it clear as day. Miami drove to the bucket, and right. he kind of yeah, yeah. just stepped back and didn't let him score, but he didn't go up and try and swat it away like we see him do all the time. Like He kind of just stood there with the arms up and back down. And if that's something that happens in, in a lot of these games, that's big because teams can just take advantage of that. Um, going forward. And luckily for us against Indiana, our defense was just superior and it didn't get to that point. But in in the, in the first three minutes, you're talking about two fouls for him early, and he doesn't play the rest of the first half. I mean, Indiana got what they wanted, him in foul trouble, and him to only play three minutes. That was the perfect recipe for Trace Jackson Davis to have 25 and 10. But the Rutgers defense stepped up, and the game was at home. Had that been in Bloomington, might have been a different story. If that happened, if if the same thing happened in, on the road, we might we might have been the ones getting blown out in that game. But the thing, so Trace Jackson Davis had 13 and 10, which 
says a lot about the height that Cliff brings. Rutgers could shut down, and let Jack, you were saying before about the Rutgers defensive rotations, they could slow down his scoring. When it comes to pure strength beneath the basket, boxing out, Mawat Mag will not box out TJD the same way that Cliff will box out TJD. Right. So the 13 points is, that's nothing for Trace Jackson Davis. Um, the 10 rebounds is, is pretty on par with what he usually does. So that just shows like how important having your 6'11 center at 100% capacity is night in, night out. Right. And and one more interesting matchup um, for this upcoming game. Not that this kid is all that good thus, all that good yet. He's young. He's a freshman four-star. Um, he only plays around 14 minutes a game, but he is six foot eleven, and he's a center from Nigeria, um, Felix Okpara. So that could be a matchup where if Cliff gets into foul trouble, and let's say they, they put him out there, they rest Zed Key or, you know, whoever they roll out at the five, they put him out there. Him against Antoine Wolfolk or Reber would be an interesting matchup for me because um, Akpara, again, four-star recruit, only started playing basketball um, when he moved to the States in 2018, so he's re- relatively new to the sport. But, again, that height, six foot eleven, and if you have Cliff on the bench for any points in that game and, and he's out there... Antoine Wolfolk is what? 6'9". Six, six, nine. Six, nine. So he's Reber, not... I mean, Wolfolk's got and size. And Reber's like 6'8". And, and Wolfolk's got, like, mass compared to these guys. Um he doesn't have the height, but he makes up for it. Like he's just a bigger dude, um, okay. so that could that could work for Rutgers. But I I had to bring up I had to bring up Cliff's, Cliff's defense because it's something that we've noticed on the road games in particular. Just it seems like teams have their way down low, and I remember when recruiting Cliff, we were all excited because we thought he'd be this big block shotting or shot blocking guy like Miles Johnson in a sense. But he really hasn't panned out to. I mean, he has had his he's had his moments for sure, but. He has not been the lockdown reliable defender like Miles Johnson once was a couple of years back. Um, but at the same time, to, to Cliff's credit, Miles Johnson was never the offensive player that Cliff is. So it, it, they kind of check, uh, they kind of balance out in a sense. But just I feel like that's something that's worrisome for me going forward, especially in Big Ten play where a lot of it is very center-heavy play down low. I mean, you look at the last couple of years, Zach Eady, right? He's still at Purdue. Kofi Coburn at Illinois, right? Uh, Luca Garza at Iowa. Hunter all these Dickinson all these powerhouses. Hunter Dickinson. Michigan. All these powerhouses had these elite centers, and that's where the team would go through. And for Rutgers, they have Cliff, who's a great offensive weapon, but defensively could be a liability against some of these guys. And when it comes down to when it comes down to it in the Big Ten schedule, if you go up against some of these bigger centers, um, like a Zach Eady, which is you know he's unworldly, like six, seven foot four, but the defense could be worrisome going forward. Yeah, it, it is definitely a cause of concern. I think someone on Nightline uh, brought up the same thing. Cliff did have nine rebounds, like. The six points is a concerning part, in my opinion. He's always going to get rebounds just based off his height. Um, but Rutgers does rely on him to score, and for a team that struggles on offense, they have one of the worst. Uh, they have some of the worst offensive efficiency in the entire country. When a player who towers over other players struggles to score, um, and and Rutgers expect him to score this year, it's definitely a cause of concern. Miami, I think, was where the alarm bell sounded a little bit because right. he outsized every player on the floor. Right, and the um. So I'm just going to bring up the Temple game real quick because that's the one that I remember on hand. Um, the player's name was Jamil Reynolds. And I remember we were talking, we were previewing this game on this very show a couple of weeks ago when that happened. And we were saying, well, Cliff has the height advantage by a, an inch, right? This guy's six foot ten. Cliff is 6'11", right? Jamil Reynolds is 285 pounds. And I think Cliff is somewhere in the neighborhood of 240. So he had a 40-plus weight differential to his advantage. 
And in that game versus Rutgers, he had uh, 17 points and 9 rebounds in 31 minutes and only had two fouls. So he wasn't fouling Cliff, and he was scoring and getting rebounds. And what did Cliff have in that game? Because we thought Cliff would have a huge advantage. Cliff in that game, he did have a good game. That 21 and 11. So you see he performs offensively. But defensively, he gives up points. So it kind of, in that scenario, cancels out. And that was the game, too, where Cliff went three for eight from the line. So, you know, in a game like that, you can't miss five free throws. You can miss some. He's kind of a mixed bag from the free throw line. Yes, he is. He's averaging just above 50%. He's, if you send him to the line, if you send him to the line, you're essentially flipping a coin every time he shoots the ball. So he, and he does need to be better. I agree 100%. If he's going to start shooting all these three balls, and it's once per game, if he's going to shoot threes now and practice that, you need to be good at free throws. I'm sorry. You right. can't you be can't explain at, to me. Be good at the things that you're going to the looks you're going to get before you work on the looks you might get. Right, exactly, Mo. That's that's actually spot on because you're going to go to the free throw line at least four <laughs> you're going to get at least four free throws I mean, a game. When you play that's basically a like Cliff does, absolutely. It's and a when given. you're telling everybody the only way to stop you right. is by fouling. It's a given. So and, instead and of that works. Instead of putting the three-pointers before the foul shooting, just work on that. And I'm not asking for him to be an 80% free throw shooter. I'm just saying, can we get in the 60s? Like, do we have to sit in the low 50s? I mean, if Cliff can shoot, you know, if he's shooting 65% and, you know, doing well from the field, then fine. You want to try a three-pointer or two. I, I agree with you, DA, 100%. You know, he's got to, I mean, I don't want to say fundamentals, but like I said, the thing, work on the things that are likely to be more important in your game and with Cliff a guy that's going to get physical and you know drive in on the basket and just loves to dunk as we well know um, I mean if I remember correctly bef- at the begin- before the season started he said if you see me in the paint you best believe I'm dunking right so, the elimination uh, of dunks it's 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 posting up in my opinion has been the biggest issue with him um, he'll he'll start backing down his defender you know at the mid block back him down back him down back him down Pop out, drive baseline, and put up a floater. It's like, no, you're six eleven. Just drive, right? Just right. drive. Like if you get an offensive foul called against you, fine. It is what it is. Again, plays into him not being in foul trouble. But don't put up, you know, these fadeaway floaters on the baseline when you could, when you're the nation when you were the nation's leading dunker last year. Just go in with it hard. You're hard to stop. He's gigantic. So look, I think the foul shooting is a bit of a concern, but. You know, just the, the two point shots are, are what I'm worried about. Wanna, just drive in. He could dunk on his tippy toes. Just do it. Just drive in. And I know it's hard against some athletic players uh, like TJD, but you could. He he struggles. He backs down his his defender really well, and then pops out right before he had a chance to dunk and shoots the ball. He should just be driving in, playing much more of his game in the paint. To your point, and I joke all the time. Like if every time Cliff makes a three, his draft position goes up by two picks, but. <laughs> uh, I do agree though. Like I feel like he's he's doing a favor for the defender every time he shoots from the outside because he's such a weapon inside. And I get it that like you know you have to be able to honor him like outside. It opens up your offense, all that good stuff. But you shouldn't be taking like you know four or five shots a game like from the outside. And I know he's really not doing that, but I just think the principle is there. Also, I wanted to touch on the defensive side too, as I've been. Uh, while we've been talking, I've been shuffling through the beautiful Matthew Loves Ball highlights that come out uh, on Rutgers versus Indiana. And, you know, I came across this highlight, and it kind of just exemplifies, um, you know, Cliff's struggles on defense. So, um, as Chris Konitz would say right now, we're making great radio. 
by talking about something on a computer screen right now. But basically, <laughs> basically Trace Jackson Davis drives baseline, and Gideon, as you can see right here next to me, like you know, right there, that's a tough shot for Trace Jackson Davis. And Cliff really doesn't have to throw himself into Trace Jackson Davis like he does right here for his fourth foul. Like he throws himself into him, and that's just an easy. Like Trace Jackson Davis is not doing something ridiculous here on the baseline. He's not go. He might go like you know Michael or Kyrie Irving, Michael Jordan, just like you know a reverse layup, something like that, or you know reverse dunk. You know that could that would be an insane highlight. But I just don't. I just think this is not a smart move here in this position to do what he did there and pick up his fourth foul. But and the foul kind of just goes into just you know plain smart. It was it was torso to torso contact. It wasn't even like Cliff's hands um, smacked. TJD's hands as he went up. Like Cliff doesn't need to be, you know, bumping hips with Trey Sachs Davis. He's taller. He's two inches on him. If Cliff jumps, you know, if Cliff doesn't want to leave his feet, I get it. But if Cliff were just to put his hands up, he's gonna be taller than Trey Jackson Davis. He's gonna give him. Way, it's gonna make it way harder for TJD to get to the basket. So I'm with you, Jack. You know, tough defensive game from Cliff. Well, he, he's gonna rebound at some point this year. Um, I believe that he's just the natural skill and the pure raw size advantage in a lot of these games um we'll see him improve it's just a matter of when but see like here's the question i have to ask like offensively do we really think that skill wise there's a different like there's a huge difference between him and trace jackson davis i mean i know jackson davis is one of the better players in the country but offensively speaking i think cliff can can get to a level of that success but i i think it all comes down to the shots that he's taking and let me ask you this. Do you guys feel the same as I'm saying? Do you think he could, like, skill-wise, he could be as good or maybe a little bit less than Tri- Jackson Davis? Like, And I, I only bring it up because of the field goal percentage. Like, why why is Cliff shooting 50% from the floor? There are guards on Ohio State that are shooting 49% right now. Guards that shoot twice as many threes, that shoot a lot more 20-foot jump shots. Why is Cliff only at 50% as a center. And I think it all starts with the looks that you're... And, and to compare, Jackson Davis going into that Rutgers game was shooting 71% and is now a little under 68. Why is there such a big difference? Well, the answer is because we're talking about right now, the shot selection. Why is he taking step-back jump shots from 20 feet out? I understand the, the occasional three a game. That's fine. He needs to be down low. That's where Jackson Davis goes. That's, That's where, where every center Cliff in the history of basketball goes. Cliff is not a back to the basket guy. He's like doesn't have. That he needs to na- be though. He doesn't have that natural touch. If you okay, if you but want, he's six foot if eleven. If he wants to be dominant, big, if he wants to be the best center in the Big Ten, that's what he has to do. If he wants to be an NBA prospect, he doesn't have to do that. So, like I, I don't know. Like he's not a Big Ten back to the basket guy. Like he's more of a lob threat, you know, guy that Paul Mulcahy can run in the pick and roll with, and he just you know be active on the ball. I mean, actually, this is perfect timing because um, I'm watching in in this in these highlights, Cliff Amore tries to you know be that low post guy or try to take TJD off the off the dribble right here, and Xavier Johnson just takes his lunch money right there. So you know, let me ask you a question, Jack. If if it's about Getting your draft stock up for the NBA, I get that because he he's good enough to be in the NBA. I completely understand it, but wouldn't having your field goal I, percentage being better than what it is right now help that as well? well yeah. Like shooting better than what some of the guard. I, I'm telling you, there are guards on Ohio State that are shooting 49 percent right now. Why a center is only one percent higher is crazy to me. Yeah, it tells it tells us that he's not taking good shots, although like high percentage shots in a way. 
because none of us are sitting up here and saying he's struggling from down low and missing high percentage shots, right? He's making those, but it's the, the low percentage jump shots that he elects to take that are hurting his numbers. And in a couple of these games, you could say hurt the team. I mean, in, in, against Indiana, it didn't really matter. They were up by a billion, but why he is tied for 138th in the country in field goal percentage out it, it's kind of crazy to me he's six foot 11 he should be able to get down low obviously if you're double team that's different but I mean one-on-one -on -one down low you should be able to just I, that's the big thing for me just the shots he's taking I think his number his numbers could be way higher in terms of his field goal percentage because there's no reason why Trace Jackson Davis should have almost a 20% higher field goal percentage than him. Well, he's two, TJD is two inches shorter than Cliff. And, D.A., what you're saying, he's shooting, he's a slice under 68% from the field, TJD is. He's 65% from the foul line. Right. Like, that's... He doesn't take threes. No. He, he has not shot a three this year. But, sure, 100%, does having Cliff be, have the ability to shoot threes open up the offense to unimaginable possibilities? Yes. The three he hit against Miami was... Fantastic considering the way that Miami was guarding the rest of the team. I left Cliff wide open at the top of the key for three points that Miami couldn't have even expected Rutgers to score. But what was, yes. What was TJD from the foul line? 68%. And Cliff or is 53%. Yeah, so yes, having Cliff being able to shoot a, shoot a three ball once every two games um, opens up the offense. It shuts down the offense when he can't drive. Right. And that's what I'm saying. We don't need him to shoot the three ball if he can't drive. You don't. You really don't need him to shoot the three ball because the rest of the guys in this team do it more more than enough to for for a game. You know, around the 18 mark. But I, I don't know. I just I feel like Cliff is good enough to get his percentage up to the high 50s, low 60s, and there shouldn't be a reason why he can't. I think it's just the shots he selects to 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 shoot. I think those are just what's hurting his numbers right now, and I think. To your point, Jack, about the NBA draft stock, I think if teams, albeit like they're looking for these guys that can shoot and and do this and that, I think if they look at a guy that selects good shots and hits on those shots, they they'll take that for what it is. And and when the draft combine comes around, you know, then that's when he'll show off his stuff. I I don't know. I think going forward for this team to maximize their offensive potential, I think he needs to start taking some better shots down low. I think he needs to work on his drive game. I'm not, I'm not asking him to drive to the bucket like Geo Baker with the ball because I'm not expecting him to have this insane ball control. But I, I just want him to be down low, get a pass down low, and be able to body some guys like everyone else in the Big Ten seems to be able to do. And we've seen time and time again when he gets the ball, he gives it a couple dribbles down low, and then when he realizes he can't go any farther, he'll either pass it out like he like he's a smart move, or he'll dribble out and take a, a long jump shot, or even take like a 15-foot sky hook, which has a very low percentage. So... I think that's the biggest thing right now for Cliff. Offensively speaking, we know he has the talent. He can dunk it over anyone in the game. He's done it against the 7-4 Zach Eadie. There's no doubt in my mind. But I think the the percentage, the, lo the looks that he's deciding to take, I think is what's holding him back from being one of the better centers in the in the league. Because uh, I, I truly think that if he just took better shots, he could be up there with Zach Eadie and, and the TJDs of the world. I, I really do. Um, so I think it all just starts with the, the looks he decides to take. Absolutely, and I think the key word there is shot selection. There shouldn't, there should be just less shooting. It should just be go to the basket, taking your two hands and just jamming the ball through the rim. Right, and I and like I'm okay with taking like sky hooks if you can't get inside all the way. Take like these five and there's five three foot. seconds left on the shot clock. Right, I just I'm not a fan of when he feels the need to shoot a 15 foot jump shot from like the elbow. 
because you just know that if he makes it, all right, great. But we're all expecting him to airball it, and it just—it's—I don't think it's a good look. I really don't, and I think that's just the root of the issues for him. And so defensive. So we we talked about the shot selection. I think that's the biggest thing with holding him back numbers-wise for the field goal percentage. Again, shooting fifty and a half percent should be way higher in my book. Um, and then defensively, we talked about that, right? He just doesn't seem to have the the Miles Johnson intangibles to to defend some of these Big Ten, some of these bigger guys. I mean, seventeen against Norchad O'Meara, seventeen against Jamil. Um, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting his name, but the kid for Temple. It's not good enough, and you're going up against Ohio State's the world, and pretty soon, right around the corner, you're going to be going to Mackey Arena and facing Zach Eady again, and you know, Pykele is going to ask you to do your best against one of the best players in the country. And in my opinion, if you can't neutralize him, that that game's over from the jump. So I, I don't really have much else to talk about this. I think that's good, but um, really, that's kind of all we were just highlighting with Cliff and his um, offensively. If he just takes better shots, he can be a, a much better offensively. Um, but we'll we'll step aside for a quick break. Welcome back to the WRSU crew here on this Monday evening, 6.55 in the College Ave Student Center. Our studios, Dylan Allen, Gideon Fox, Jack Pesea, and Moshe Golubchik here with you on this Monday evening. Um, it's, it's, it's starting to get cold, guys. I mean, I was in Miami on Wednesday with you, Gideon, and it was nice 85 degrees. In fact, you and I were nice sweating flush. most of that oh, trip. shut oh, up. Nice. Yes. You and I were the sweating most of that trip, uh, and uh, it was a rude awakening coming back. I think I had class 7 o'clock <laughs> or something. It was like 20 degrees, and I was like, okay, this is definitely not Florida. Um, but Yeah, that was... Are you entering I mean, the transfer portal? Um, you know, it's funny you say that. Miami was literally a beach resort, that, the university. Oh, my God. The campus. The, we, we struggled to find the classroom. It took us about 30 minutes to find a classroom. Um, it, I'll show you pictures afterwards, and my roommates confirmed this to me, Jack. You're a big Drake guy. God's Plan music video was shot there. So, yeah, I remember seeing yeah, that. So, um, it, you it, you it's said that picture, resort. and there was like the University of Miami logo mm-hmm. is visible in like yep. one frame in the in the music video. And it was on that student center that's, uh, trust me, Jack, if I show you a picture of the student center compared <laughs> to the one that we're currently in right now, oh my goodness, you, you might enter the transfer portal with me. Um, hey, there is the Livingston Student Center. You would oh, still enter the transfer portal. You would portal. still enter the transfer portal. <laughs> you would still enter the transfer portal. I will bet every dollar I have We got, we got to see these one. photos after. There you uh, go. I'll show it to you guys. It's just, if anyone listening out there that wants to partake in, in us, just look up Miami University Student Center and click on images, and you'll you'll see for yourself just like the beach paradise that it looks like. Um, so anyway, we'll get back to the regular scheduled program here. Uh, locks <laughs> of the week, locks of the night, up right now, um, where we each give our betting advice for either a game tonight or a game this week at some point, because you know we love to make money, and so should you. So, Gideon, I'm going to throw it to you first. I know you're a big hockey guy. I I, I always I'm always interested in your picks because they're always. It's usually a sport that no one picks, and they're like a parlay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm anxious for this. Big on the parlay. I'm interested in this. I like how you introed that one. Um, <laughs> so I'm looking at the Vegas Golden Knights-Boston Bruins game. Okay. Um, starts in two minutes, so it's no hurry it up They played they this morning, played actually. So, Did they win? Uh, I didn't check. I stopped watching after. It was just <laughs> that bad, huh? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Tip-off was at 11 a.m. local time. But Vegas-Boston, Boston, Boston high-flying offense. Uh, they're up there top of the league with 
Vegas and the Devils. Um, the over-under when I got it this morning was at 6. Now it's at 6.5, which is why it's in plus value. Because it's in plus value, I'll take it. Uh, 6.5 at plus 116 is what I'm seeing it on. I can't find the exact line for the Boston Bruins team over. Um, I assume if I had a pick, it would be 3.5. Play it to 4. Um, they're just going to light them up. Boston is, is so good on offense. They have four lines that could score. Um, I'll keep it quick because we are almost at the top of the hour, but Boston to score, lots of goals tonight. Take the over. So, yeah, I'm looking right now, including overtime and shootout, right? That would be what is, it would be listed Yeah, on. just the, regu- the it's regular. It's three and a half. It is three and okay, a half. Okay, yeah, take that. Take that. Right. What's that, minus 110? Um, yeah, minus 106, actually. Right, yeah, so same thing. Yeah, take that also. So you got the over in the game and the over for the Bruins team? Um, in 30 seconds, I'll have the team over. Um, but I, I have it at over in the game at 6. I want to say minus 120. Okay. All right. See, exactly. Right there. NHL and Vegas in Boston. Some interesting picks. Jack, I'll throw it to you next. Uh, minus 3.5. Jack transfers to the University of Miami. Oh, you're looking Gables. at the pictures now? Uh, after looking, oh, I, after I'm, looking at the Miami I'm looking at that center. picture also. That is the nicest student center I have yeah. ever seen. That's That's my lock. All right. Little insider trading there. You know, you can't bet on yourself moving there. He's not betting on himself. He's just saying some Calvin Ridley activity. All right, fine. Minus three and a half. Alex Carminati transfers to Miami after (laughs) seeing that. (laughs) Okay, I'll take that. There you go. All right, Mo. All right. So Jack, Jack, Alex Alex Carminati with the pseudonym Jack (laughs) Basaya. All right. All right, Mo. Well, speaking of minus three and a halfs, I'm going to pivot to the National Football League. Okay. We got the Saints at the Bucks tonight. Bucks minus three and a half, and minus one seventy eight Bucks money line. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna look at the over under on that game, like I, as I as I like to do. Okay. Over under on this game, according to ESPN, is forty point five. And here's the thing: Tom Brady, you know, he's Tom Brady, and um, you know, Andy Dalton, of course, you know journeyman quarterback plays pretty well I I think this is going to be the under you know Brady's been struggling this season Tampa's five and six New Orleans four and eight you know so 40 and a half I take the under all right 40 and a half that dropped too that was at 41 and a half uh, earlier this morning oh wow Okay, still taking the under. So yeah, the public. You're with the public on that one. I'm with the public on that one. Absolutely. Public's with you, actually. <laughs> the public's with you. So okay, yeah. so you're taking the under. The under. Yeah. And it's Andy Dalton at quarterback, right? For correct. Okay, so oh, you're betting against Tom Brady in the. I under am betting Yorker. against Tom Brady. What do you got for us, Dale? Um. Well, I'm going to if my DraftKings would load, which is kind of bothering me right now because I want to go to college football for this upcoming week of bowl games or um, right. And wait, so there's no games this weekend, right? Because it's, um. Because they've been selected already in the seedings. Like it, there's nothing going think, on this weekend. I think there's nothing till the 27th okay. or well, 8th. Well, in that case, I'll wait till next week to do college football. Um, so, I'll tell you what. I'll stay in the NFL. I'll bet the game that you're talking about, Mo. I think the line is 3.5 in favor of the Buccaneers. That is correct. Um, I don't know. This th- Does it just seem to me, guys, or is like Vegas screaming that you bet Tampa Bay here? At the laying, you know, laying three and a half against the crappy Shane's team. Uh, is it home or where? It's, it's, it's in, in Tampa. Tampa. It's in Tampa. Like oh, it's, so then, yeah. it's almost like Vegas is begging me to take Tampa. So yeah, I'm going to take the Saints plus three and a half, uh, at minus one eighteen. Sprinkle a little on the money line if you want, but I like the plus three and a half here play for the Saints. Um, 
if you're a cautious better, you might want to bet this up to maybe six if you can get yourself a touchdown or seven, something like that. But I'll take the Saints plus three and a half. Why not? That's my pick. All right. That is, uh, those are our picks. And uh, good luck to you in all of your endeavors out there. And with that, we're going to step aside and we're going to come back. Got another hour of sports talk for you. 